Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. Don't forget, you can always read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now on the progress of quarterback Sam Howell. A lot of it is stuff I've talked about, but I also have few interviews and things that the players are impressed by with him and areas where he's still got to grow. Listen, he's a young quarterback. He's got to grow. That's just the bottom line folks. And there's still a lot that we don't know about him and we won't find out about him until we get to a preseason game. And then the joint practice with the Ravens and then more preseason games. How does he progress? That's where we're at right now. So when you watch him in practice, there are definitely things that you stick out good. And sometimes the things that they need to work on, but, Work in progress, so read the story, ESPN.com. Also, a programming note, on Monday, I'm going to attempt to do another live stream at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So the last one didn't go quite as well as I would have hoped. I'm going to do this one from home because better internet, better connection, no no other audio distractions in in the room I had to do or the 10 I had to do last time. So 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time, I will do a a quick wrap-up of practice. And then answer as many questions as you guys have after more than two weeks of training camp work now under their belts. So today on Sunday, another long practice, a third two and a half hour practice in one week. This is a different camp for Washington just in that regard alone and a little bit more physical, but just those two and a half hour practices, we weren't seeing those in the past. Anyway, some of it, there's they're working a lot of situational stuff. Today it was third downs. There was some uh, coming out of your own end zone. There were two-minute situations. There were blitz situations, all that stuff. And it's all very needed. And I think, listen, this is a situational league. So the better you can do on third down in the red zone, the better you're going to do as an offense. They would do okay between the 20s the last couple of years, but they weren't good at all in the red zone. That area must improve. And if they want to be a better team, listen, that's it. that could be the difference between seven or eight wins and nine or ten. Anyway, so now you know that. With the injuries, a couple of guys, a couple of things to note. Emmanuel Forbes, who had the minor, he had the groin tweak of his left groin on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. No, no, Friday. I'm sorry. They had Saturday out. So on Friday, had that minor groin tweak. He was out there during individual work, going through everything, but he did not go through work in 11 on 11. So not unusual. But he was out there just working individually. So I'm everything right now is abundance of caution. You're going to hear that phrase a lot. So we'll see how he progresses tomorrow, Tuesday, et cetera. Uh, Logan Thomas was not out there, has the has a calf has a calf issue. And that's his second straight practice that he missed. I think again with him, after what he went through last year, they're going to be extra, extra cautious. Did not see him out in the field. So it makes me wonder. I don't know how severe it is. But he certainly wasn't out there. And while others who have had some minor issues, they at least went through what Forbes did. Same with Sadiq Charles. Has a minor calf strain, but has missed a few practices in a row. Was out there during individual. Was not out there during team. Chris Paul remained in there. I'll tell you what, I keep saying this, but he's provided an opening for Chris Paul because one of the number one things that this team has questions about with Charles is, can he stay healthy? Because if he can't, it's going to be hard to rely on him. He's, he has talent. He has ability. 
but he can't stay healthy. And it's usually like right now, this point in practice or training camp where he starts to have some breakdowns, he has got to get back on the field and he's got to stay there. Otherwise, it'll be hard to rely on him. Cody Barton was back out there. He missed on Friday as well. Curtis Samuel, he was going through early work, all the early work, the 11 and 11s. And then all of a sudden, he wasn't out there anymore. So what, what Ron Rivera said later was that he that Samuel told them he felt a little bit of tightening in his leg. So again, abundance of caution. We all know what Samuel went through a couple of years ago. And so they they sat him down the rest of practice. We'll see what happens with him tomorrow. We'll see. That, again, Rivera said it was a tightening of, of in his leg, so they just wanted to be careful. One of the things that Samuel did talk about, as, as did tight end John Bates, was how they feel like the offense is getting better with its timing. And I tend to agree. Like, listen, they should get better because they've been working on this more. And the defense is obviously very good. But the offense should get better timing right now. And one of the things that Samuel said is where he sees it is just in the timing of the routes, being more in sync with the quarterbacks and the receivers. There have been times when I've talked to coaches, they'll talk about guys running different uh, routes or different angles on certain routes or maybe not reading a corner the same way. So the quarterback might be expecting the, the receiver or tight end to take an angle on a certain route. Instead, they're cutting it flat, allowing a corner to drop into the coverage. They're trying to run away from someone, but they've got to be aware of the guy underneath. So that that's something that I think is starting to get a little bit better. And, you know, you see you saw some of that today. A lot of 11-on-11 11 11 work again. So you did see some of that. And I think even with the first team, with, with Howell, they certainly seem to be getting rid of the ball a little bit quicker. Sir, there were pre, there was definitely pressure, but he was on sometimes getting rid of it and then hitting guys maybe in a better spot. Still some passes a little on the out on the incorrect shoulder, which as coaches will tell you is often a sign of needing to speed up your processing speed and getting to that guy just one hitch earlier. Anyway, just want just wanted to kind of run over that for a minute. <clears throat> Let's talk about the offensive line because there's a lot of get a lot of questions on this. And I think, you know, the one word I would say is there's no need to panic with this group at this point. I don't think we really know what kind of group that Washington has with this offensive line. I have said this before. I think it's, it's better than last year individually. And I think collectively it'll be better, but I don't know what that means yet. I don't know if that means they're going to be a really good line, a good line, or just improved over last year when it was not a good line at all. So that remains to be seen. I think it's really hard to tell in a practice when you're going up against arguably the best defensive line in football or certainly a top three defensive line in football and you're not game planning, you're not able to cut, you're not setting things up, et cetera. So that's, that makes it difficult to fully tell. Even in those one-on-ones, there's been, there have been some pretty good results in there at times, but that's also set up for, that's a essentially your pass rushing. So it's almost like trying to block when it's third and eight. You're working on your pass that you're working on your pass rush. The, there's nothing to cause a defensive line in that drill or some others to hesitate. If you know it's going to be uh, a, a passing drill, well, you, if you're a defensive lineman, you're not playing fakes. You know they're going to throw the ball, so you're not causing them to hesitate, et cetera. So there's a lot of things that you can help align with that we haven't really gotten to see yet to see what is the impact on them. I don't know. You know, and I, I think one, I know one guy they seem to like a lot is Nick Gates, that they like his demeanor. It kind of gives them a little bit of a nastiness attitude inside. And I, 
I will say, I think some coaches were pleased with how the line reacted and Sam Cosby in particular with some of the chippiness from the other day. And I think they want to see some fight back. And they, I believe they saw that on Friday when again, Cosby body slammed um, Fidarian Mathis. For some, it was a sign that they're getting a little bit tired of hearing some outside noise about how they've looked so far in camp, knowing some of the things I just told you. Again, it's not to say they're going to be this great line. I don't know. My point is, I don't know. And I do think they'll they'll be better, but I don't know to what level. And I don't think we can just tell based off all the stuff going on here when you're facing a defense that should be really good, a defensive line that's one of the best, et cetera. Not making excuses just trying to paint an accurate picture of where their progress is and why it may be hard to just fully assess where they're at right now and to to give them a little bit of time because they still have to, again, new starters at four positions. It takes time. So, but they, but I will say this, they do have to become a, a solid unit for them and the team has to find a way to help them become a solid unit because if they're not, they're not going to get to where they want to go. School is out and summer is here, so it's time to plan your next family adventure. With eight different levels, 16 courses, 250 climbing obstacles, and over 4,000 feet of zip lines, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring, located in Montgomery County, Maryland, is the largest ropes course and zip line park in the country. Beat the heat and join us after dark for some night climbing. When the sun goes down, the park is lit up, allowing you to climb under the stars. Check out their glow-in-the-park events for extra glow lights and music throughout the forest. Want to keep your feet on the ground? Grab a bite to eat from the food truck and give axe throwing a try. Perfect for first-timers or experts, their projector systems allow you to throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's promo code KIME23DC, K-E-I-M-2-3-D-C. Now open seven days a week. This is the perfect time of year to get outside and join the adventure at theadventurepark.com. A little bit more on the offensive line. Tyler Larson been getting most of the second team reps at center. Stromberg works in there occasionally and they they like Larson. One thing I'll say is with Stromberg, if he's going to if he wants to kind of supplant Larson and be active on game days, he's going to have to learn to play some guard. That's you, it's just really hard to have one guy as a backup who only plays center. That's where Larson can also play guard. Nolan Laufenberg can play center and guard. It gives those guys obviously they're going to keep Stromberg. That's not the point, but to keep him active on a game day. So don't be surprised if they maybe work him in at some guard later in camp just to see what he can do. Because again, if you're, if, if he's in that position where they feel he can go in and be a backup center and you want to make him active on a game day, you better have another position that he can play. Otherwise it's tough to keep just one guy who plays one position, um, you know, active. So there you go. But Larson again has taken more often than not is working with the twos. Uh, one one second team lineup today was Lucas at tackle, at Aaron Montero at left guard, Larson in the middle, Mason Brooks at right guard, and then Trent Scott at right tackle. So Brooks has certainly opened some eyes. Don't know if they're going to be able to keep him or not. We'll see what happens. Uh, they can, you know, but I think he's a guy that you just want to pay attention to. Some of those guys you want to pay attention to. There's an Alex Arma at fullback. Pay attention to him because if 
if they decide to keep a fourth running back, he would be the guy most likely because he can offer something as a fullback. Or you can keep him on the practice squad and activate him for, you can protect him on the practice squad uh, for, I think it's for two weeks. So you can do something like that, bring him up when you need him, and then maybe activate him as others, be, you know, as injuries hit the team in other spots. Anyway, let's get to another guy I want to talk about. I haven't talked a lot about him, but he's been solid this summer. It's Kendall Fuller. He's just, he's a really good match in their zone, in their zone match coverage scheme. And he's because he's smart, he understands route, he understands route concepts. And so you you almost never see him out of position. Today he had a couple of nice, did a couple of nice jobs. One, he blew up a screen. He did that last year, show that often where he can blow up the screens, blew one up to Dotson, get it, and you just read it and burst through blockers. Really nice play. Another time he forced on in a two-minute drill. He did a good job against Terry McLaurin, staying with him, wasn't open. Sam Howell has to throw it over McLaurin's head, purposefully throwing it out of bounds. But Fuller's done a nice job last year of his contract. And it's funny because, you know, other guys are in the last year of the contract. You hear a lot about them. You don't hear a lot about Fuller, but I, I think you have, because they know you have St. Juice, you have Forbes. Those guys are going to be your young corners for the future. But where does Fuller go? I don't know. I know a feeling was that they felt like he certainly, at the very least, had one more good year as a starter. And then I think you want to wait and see where he's at after this year. <clears throat> Let's talk about, oh, another guy who to me was interesting is the rookie seventh round pick, Andre Jones, showing a little bit of quickness off that ball. I don't know if he's going to be enough. It, it's going to be hard to keep him on the active roster because when you look at that defensive line right now, you have the starter. Let's say they keep 10. So you got Chase Young and Montez Sweat. You have the two tackles, Payne and Allen. Both of whom look obviously very good. Then you have the backup end, Smith Williams and Casey Tuhill, and you have backup tackles for Darian Mathis and John John Ridgeway. And then you also have F.A. Obata, who can kind of play both areas. So that leaves one spot possibly for both those rookies, Jones and KJ Henry. Henry is a fifth round pick, Jones seventh round pick. A lot of it's going to come down to how they look in the preseason. You see some of the flashes from Jones, and it also depends on who you're going against. You've seen him go up against Braden Daniels. Got the best of them a couple times in some of those eleven and eleven. Daniels had a couple had a couple better reps in the one on ones, uh, and then but you also see Daniels in those one on ones sometimes getting some spin moves, getting creating a little bit of noise in there. Does he do something during the preseason to warrant a roster spot, or is he the guy that you can put on the practice squad and watch him and and develop him that way? Let's go to tight end Cole Turner. Uh, one of the things that a couple of things that. Um, pass blocking or pass protection blitz pickups has to be a little bit more consistent there. I think same for he and Curtis Hodges. It's something to watch there because you're going to, obviously they're going to be out there because they can catch the ball, but I do think they have to improve their handling of those situations. And we saw some one-on-one situations with the tight ends against linebackers who were blitzing. And really it's about moving your feet, staying with them. And there are a couple of times where I think Turner has to be a little bit more consistent in that area. Same with Hodges. And they're, I think they both a couple times whiffed on guys, but then you'd see them do okay. But it's a lot of is just moving your feet, getting used to consistently moving your feet. But as pass as a route runner, Turner did a nice job in some of those one on ones when they were when they stopped with the uh, blitz pickup drill. So I mean, he has long strides, and it's funny because I I was watching a video the other day from practice of he and John Bates, and I posted on Instagram. It was a story, so it's already gone. I think it's actually on the Empire Media page on the shorts page. So you just watch him and like Turner has longer strides, but it allows him, they get to the same spot after about the same amount of strides, 
But I think those long strides enable Turner to maybe throw in another move at the, before he gets to the top of his route, whereas Bates is kind of just getting to the top of the route, not a lot of wiggle to him and just cutting out. Well, on this particular and today in the one-on-ones, I saw him try that, meaning Turner against uh, Derek Forrest, where he sells, you know, gives a little wiggle to the outside, Forrest bites on it, he cuts outside, and there you go, it, it, or cuts across the middle, I should say. Now he's wide open, and just that's something that Turner does seems to do pretty well. But I think a lot of it's that long strides, and he is athletic athletic enough to sell some of that stuff. And sometimes that sell job too is you got to get your head right too. Cause sometimes I see receivers and tight ends do this too. They, they might sell with their body, but they're not selling with their eyes. And if the, if the defensive back's not looking at your feet, if they're looking at your eyes and you're looking over here, but you're trying to sell with your feet over here. And I've seen this, their heads are pointing to where they're going or their eyes are taking to where they're going. It's when you can kind of fool them with your head and your eyes, and then you can shake them off. And that's one of the things I saw with Turner on that video where he gets his head a little bit more and maybe creates, maybe has the ability to create a little bit more separation at the top of a route. Montez Sweat having a really good camp. And I think the one, you know, it's funny because with him, the one word you're going to hear with him all year, whenever you hear his name, the one word is going to be finished. Does he finish better? Because he's always in position to make a play. He's really good against the run. He's strong. And against Andrew Wiley, I'd say he's had his fair share of success, man. And today, there are some times I see with Wiley, he's setting for a bull rush and Sweat goes outside. Sometimes he's setting for an outside rush and he's and he's going to give him a bull rush and drive him back. Today, I saw him beat him inside in the one-on-ones. And it was the only time I saw those two. They may have gone another time. That's just the one I was able to watch of them. But again, he's got to finish. And that's that's where that's going to define his season. Does he finish? Does he get that big contract because he finishes? Then I saw one. This is why I like these one-on-ones because you watch like Chase Young gets gets Charles Leno to the inside. But what I really liked is how Leno recovered. And I don't know if, if Chase gets there or not, but I like how just Leno – and I talked to him the other day, it's all about hand placement, footwork in those drills. That's what he's working on. So this one, Chase gets inside, he gets his right hand into the into Chase's chest or into his uh, left upper chest and is able to recover with his feet. A good veteran recovery by Leno. And again, I told you that I saw some better balance from Braden Daniels, this time in a rush against KJ Henry. Um, Juan Castillo got really excited about that. And then, you know, sometimes there's other times where he just, he's going to lunge too much. He's going to bend at the waist. He's going to let guys into him a little bit too much. You saw that 11-11. Again, still a lot of room uh, for development with with Braden Daniels. And I also thought Stromberg in the one-on-ones did a better job against both Federian Mathis and John Allen. And Stromberg's going to have to work on getting some getting a little bit stronger, but I liked his reps today where I thought were were, were better ones, and that's a good sign for him. So, all right. And so I think one of the other things I wanted to talk about too, is just a couple of plays with Holland. Some of that is just showing it. There's sometimes, like I said, he was a little bit behind. There was one time to Dax Milne, but it, sometimes he's doing that and it's like, okay, keeping it away from danger on that play. So that's why it's a little bit behind. And then I also liked, there was, there was one, there was one route where wasn't quite sure where he's throwing it to ball, the ball to is he had, Curtis Samuel here, or, you know, Jahan Dotson here, Curtis Samuel back here, or no, ver- reverse, I'm sorry. Dotson was in the back, Samuel up front, and the ball was over the top. I'm not sure, in between them, and nobody was really in position offensively to make the play. Cam Curl breaks it up. If he doesn't break it up, the defensive back picks it off. But I liked, there are some couple times where Howell 
was would um throw the ball away. I just thought made some good decisions in that area. And um then the other the other one was in one of the last 11 on 11 series, actually it was the last 11 11 where they basically take the ball they're inside I think it was inside their own 10 or inside their five. They start to drive there and they had some nice runs there. And that's one of the things with the with the line is they've been pretty solid with the run blocking through most of the summer. And I thought Chris Paul is doing a decent job in there with that, among others. But but I you know I think just because he's the new guy right now with with uh, Sadiq Charles out, I think Brian Robinson's been doing a nice job running in between the tackles. So that's something that when you start to see it all together, how does it look? And they have to show something Friday against the Browns. Oh, by the way, I'm I know I'm starting to ramble here, but we did ask Rivera about how much the starters would play against the Browns. Doesn't know yet. And I think part of it makes it what makes a difference, too, is that a few days later, they're going to have those joint practices with the Ravens. So my guess is you're not going to see the starters a whole lot against the Browns, knowing that they're going to get that work against Baltimore a couple of days later. And that's really what they want are those couple of days of work. So, you know, I think the other factor there is if you're going to if you're going to play Sam Howell, well, you're only going to you obviously as a young quarterback, you'd like him to play a lot. But you also have those linemen that you're not going to keep them in there as long as, you know, to give him as much time as fans would want. So there's a balance there that you're not, and you're not going to put them behind a second group. So we'll see how much they go there. They don't know yet. And I also wonder, cause they've taken a different tact this camp again with the longer practices, a little bit more physical. And I wonder how that's going to impact their decision-making when it comes to preseason play time. And then again, I go back to that last drive at the end of it. And I, I have sensed a desire by the coaches to really kind of start praising the offensive line, because again, they know that they've heard, they've heard some criticism already, whether it's from people attending practice, from the media, who met, whatever it is, they've heard some of that criticism. So I think they're going to, I think they're really kind of focused on maybe building that backup or giving them, building their confidence. I wouldn't say their confidence down, but certainly praising them and, and building them. So, but after this one drive, and I thought they did a nice job. And again, it was from their own coming out from their own end zone. And at the end of it, Bienemy was pumped up because he really liked some of the runs. And and there were a couple. They had one time to Dotson that he really really liked what Dotson did. But he, and, the, and when the players are coming off the field and they're going to kick a field goal, they're coming off the field. He's telling them to dap it up, dap it up, good shit. Then he said no. That and then he said great shit. So that was. I think he was pretty excited about that particular drive. So is it a sign of progress? Again, we'll see how this goes over the next couple of days and then Friday against the Browns. And there was one kind of funny, slightly funny moment or whatever, however you want to define it. During a two-minute drill, there was after one play, Ron Rivera's on the field, and he the clock stopped. And Biennemi was like, why is the clock stopped? And Ron said, because I call a timeout. Well, that led to a huddle and a discussion of what's the best way to handle that situation. Is it with a timeout? Is it with stopping the, you know, spiking the ball, stopping the clock that way, taking another shot? But so it's just, you know, that's that's what happened there. But that's that's what these moments are for. And so now you know. All right, that's it for me. Again, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday, another live stream. I hope you guys can join me. Bring your questions. I'll answer as many as I can. And there you go. I'll talk to you next time.